a blowout. Eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out a 3-0 pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats, and today we got a great guest joining us, catcher for the Seattle Mariners, Cal Raleigh, who hit the home run, one of the biggest home runs in the history of the Mariners organization because it ended their playoff drought last year. It was awesome. I'm going to talk to him all about that home run, the bat flip, where that came from, his bobblehead, and of course, the pitching staff that he now gets to catch. Um, being able to catch Luis Castillo and what makes him so good and talk about Julio Rodriguez. Uh, this is going to be a blast of a conversation. Cal Raleigh led all catchers in Major League Baseball last year in home runs with 27 after getting sent down at one point early in the season. So a lot to talk about there and asking him what he figured out and what he fixed and being able to come back up and have the success he did. So I'm excited to talk to him. So without further ado, let's welcome him in now. Catcher for the Seattle Mariners, Cal Raleigh. All right, and I am pumped now to welcome on Seattle Mariners catcher Cal Raleigh. Cal, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. Hey, I want to start with the home run from last year and the shot heard around the world, if you will. Well, that one might be taken, but it was still still pretty loud. And um, how does it feel for you to be a part of you know, that home run is one of the biggest hits in Mariners history. I mean, how, how cool is that? Uh, it's really cool. I mean, you know, obviously I've been asked a lot about, you know, that moment and, you know, what it kind of meant to me and, uh, you know, Seattle as a whole. And um, just in general, it was an awesome moment to share that with my teammates and the organization and the fans was something I'll never forget. And uh, I mean, it's pretty much what you what what we play for, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, three two, you know, tie ball game, ninth inning, two outs, you know, and uh, it was just like, I mean, if you could create a perfect moment, that was kind of it, and it was amazing. I know. Walk me through that moment because you weren't starting in that game, right? You were pinch hitting. So when did you find out you had a chance to pinch hit? When were you told you were going in, and then <clears throat> the moment it happened. Yeah, uh, I think we – I can't remember if we won or lost the night before, but we knew after the, that game was over we had one game. to We, we could clinch it that next game with a win. And uh, I went into Skip's office, and I was like, I was like, you got to let me play. You got to let me be a part of this one. You know, it's been a long season and everything. Yeah. I, uh, I was just – we need you to rest because, you know, I had a, you know, t torn ligament in my thumb. And, mm -hmm. like, we need you for the playoffs because, you know, we had – we had a few games where we could have clinched it, but, um, you know, obviously didn't let me start. And then, you know, once the game got rolling, I knew there was a chance I'd get in there. Um, and I found out around the eighth inning, uh, Acevedo was coming in, right in a pitcher, and they're like, all right, you got it. And uh, went and took the – I think I took some of the worst swings of my entire life uh, in the cage. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was funny. It was like I took five off the machine that were um, – after I did some T work and stuff, but um, – I think I fouled one off my foot, rolled over a few, <laughs> flared one the other way. And uh, the guy that was standing right behind me, Brian O'Keefe, he just got caught up. He looked at me. He's like, you're right where you need to be. I was like, okay, let's go do it. Uh, I know you know you got it because you crushed it. But did you know it was fair? 
Uh, so when I hit it, I didn't know if it was going to be fair. And I hit so many balls like that in my life where they had gone the other way. Yeah. It kind of hooked. And that one kind of, it started fading back. And once I saw that, I was like, it's, it's gone. I did it. And, uh, um, yeah, but I've had, it's funny because I've had so many balls in my life. They've gone the other way. Just, they've hooked, you know, just foul. My favorite part of it was not, I mean, obviously the Homer was sick, but the bat flip or toss or chuck or whatever you want to call it. Had you like practiced that? Where did that come from? (laughs) That was sweet. I'm not even really, I mean, I'm not even a real big bat flip guy. I mean, I know (laughs) I know if I, if I get one, I'll kind of give it a little, little toss or a little kind of flick. But you know, when I hit that one, it was just, I mean, I had finished, I never really finished with one hand until I hurt my thumb and, you know, I couldn't really keep the the left hand on the bat. And, you know, it just so happened I finished with one hand. It, I was kind of holding it and then I flipped it and I flipped it a long way. And I didn't really realize that I threw it right in my, right at my teammates, but the adrenaline, I, I couldn't really help it at that moment. So what did you say running to second and the re it looks like you like, couldn't believe it. That's what your face looked like. I can't believe what just happened. What did you say? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. I don't know if it's if it's appropriate for the show or not. But <laughs> it was uh, it was some choice words. There were some funny gifts after that uh, I saw on Twitter and everything. Um, but it was, I mean, you're right. I was I was in disbelief and uh, just kind of looking over the whole crowd. You know, going going around second. That was a really cool moment. And the fireworks and the horn and um, it was just like holy holy crap! What did I just do. Speaking of asking uh, Skip before the game if you can be a part of it, I need to ask this. How in the world is it possible uh, a couple of days ago you get a bobblehead about that moment and you weren't in the starting lineup for your own bobblehead night? How's that happen? I don't know. I, um, <laughs> If we're being honest, I wasn't very happy about it. Yeah. I would have loved to have been, been part of that game. and um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't make those decisions. I uh, – you know, I, I get ready when I'm told. So, uh, so you guys end up because of that moment, end up clenching the playoffs. You guys get in and end up facing the Astros in that first round. And I honestly felt like multiple different games, multiple different opportunities. You guys were one swing away from winning that series. And I know, you know, on the outside, people will say it didn't end up close, but it, it did. And then there was that 18 inning game and it was just I felt like a super well-played series that could have gone either direction that led up to that 18-inning game at home in the first game there, 0-0. What was that 18-inning game like as a player? Because all I know is, you know, I've a million times, I was a part of a 27-inning game in the minor leagues that was one-to-one, and extra inning games in the in the minors that go a long way are a nightmare, and you just want them to end. But to be a part of an 18-inning game with so much on the line and nobody's scoring, what was the morale like in the dugout during that game? I mean, there was so much, you know, emotions and adrenaline. You know, obviously it was our first home playoff game in in 20-something years. And, uh, you know, obviously we're amped up. You know, we're down 2-0. We're ready to go in front of our home crowd. And, you know, it, it... it, looking back, it stinks that we couldn't get a run on the board, um, you know, but it was kind of like hats off. You know, we, we pitched really well. The Astros have unbelievable, unbelievable pitching and they threw really well. And it was just one of those days, you know, it was, it was both teams and it was, it felt like, you know, whoever scores 
is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, we didn't get it done, but it was a crazy game. And just, you know, it was so emotionally and, you know, mentally draining afterwards. I think that was the biggest thing is they're like, oh, you got to be so tired. And at the time I wasn't, and I felt it the next day for sure, but <laughs> it was, it was just a lot, you know, going on and, uh, you know, mentally and uh, emotionally. That year for you last year, for it to end like the way it did with the home run and then the first playoff appearance in over 21 years, it was an interesting year for you where it didn't start off very well. And you end up getting sent down and you're there for what, like seven games, about a week's worth of games. And then you come up and you end up leading all Major League Baseball catchers in home runs with 27. So I want to talk about that time and when you went down what did you learn about yourself? I guess your swing, like physically and, and mentally, what did you work on? Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, when I got, when I got sent down, I wasn't in a good, good headspace. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, you know, I was salty. I was, I was upset. Obviously I really wanted to come out and, you know, win the job and do well. And, uh, you know, some things didn't fall my way and, uh, wasn't playing well. And, um, you know, I went down and, uh, I think it was good for me, you know, getting sent down. I needed it, you know, at the time, obviously you don't want to be sent down and you don't want any, you know, bad things to happen. You want to, you want to be in the big leagues. You want to, you know, be the guy, you want to be the guy helping, helping your team out. But, um, you know, I needed that step back and um, looking back, you know, it might've been the best thing for my career. So getting sent down, having a new perspective on things, learning, um, it was a big, big moment for me. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for, for it happening as, you know, kind of silly as that sounds. No, I, I, I get it. And it's something that, you know, I, how do you, baseball is the most mentally grueling sport there is, right. And in, in my opinion, and, and it becomes like, how can you manage the, the down? How can you manage, um, n not having success and God knows I didn't figure it out. I had enough over fours in the minor leagues for, for everyone combined, but it, my problem was I, I was very up and down in my career and I had a lot of success and then a lot of very down and I could never figure out how to get out of a rut. I would let 0 for 4, turn into 0 for 12, turn into 0 for whatever. So I really feel like baseball becomes about dealing with failure. So you get sent down and you're not happy with how you were playing and you had to learn to deal with the failure. And, and that really is easier to, to say, like I, you know, I learned how to deal with it, but what do you do? You know, I know you're driving yourself insane that you're struggling. So where did you get to in your mind to be like, all right, it's, it's time to get back going um, and get to a place mentally where you are, were able to turn it back on and have the successful year that you did. Yeah. I think, um, you know, everybody wants to be the guy. They want to be the best player they can possibly be. They want to help their team out. And, you know, sometimes your ego can kind of get in the way. And, you know, I felt like, I was just trying to do too much. You know, I was trying to hit a six run home run every time I got up and that's not even possible. <laughs> you know, I was trying to hit a ball 450 feet when in reality, all I needed to do was, you know, swing at good pitches, you know, yeah. draw a walk, move a runner, um, kind of whatever the game called for. And it kind of took, you know, getting sent down and figuring out some of that stuff and learning, you know, less is more, you know, learning, you know, have good at bats, you know, manage a pitching staff, just be the best, you know, player I can be that day. How can I, how can I help my team? And maybe it is, you know, taking that walk, moving that runner and just learning that and just, you know, playing the game, just having fun with it. And, yeah. you know, understanding that, you know, you don't need to press, you don't need to try to be somebody you're not. And, 
Um, you know, as, as cliche as some of those things sound, it's true. And, um, you know, I learned a lot last year about myself and, you know, once I kind of, you know, started, you know, trying to play the game to win and just not worrying about my outcomes, not worrying about my average, not worrying about those silly things. It's, you know, I kind of raised my, um, raised my game. Everything got a little yeah. better and I started having better at bats. Um, you know, I started moving up in the lineup, things like that. And it was, uh, it was good for me. Yeah. I, I guess sort of on the same lines as the mental side of things. I've had Logan Gilbert on the show last year he was on and he talked a lot about how the truth meetings that you guys used to have in, in the minors helped him big time. And it was basically just pitcher and catcher getting together and telling each other like it is. So how did those, how did those come to be? Did you, did you start those? Yeah, we had a, we had a pitching coach, Rob Marcello. He's with the, uh, he's the Padres uh, pitching coordinator now. And um, he was our, uh, I believe it was his first uh, minor league job as well. So we were kind of all in it together. Uh, we were really tight. We got really close that year in Modesto. Uh, not a lot to do in Modesto, California. So we were we were at the field a bunch, kind of hanging out after games, talking, talking shop. Um, and, you know, he was very blunt and honest guy. And we just – we kind of – went at it one night kind of uh at first it's kind of jokingly then we kind of got a little serious about you know how i saw things as a catcher how he saw things as a pitcher and um you know um we were just honest with each other we were being honest and kind of uh you know things i didn't like what he was doing what what he didn't like i was doing or calling how i was calling a game and we kind of hashed it out and it was it was great for us you know it got us a lot closer and uh i think that trust factor came into play and you know now we've been doing it for four four years now, and you know we're roommates all going up, and it was awesome for us. Do you remember of all of them the hardest conversation that you had to have? Um, I don't know. It's it's tough when like when you're close with a guy like that. You, yeah. you know, sometimes sometimes it's easier when you're distant from a guy because you can yeah. just be honest because you don't you don't really you know you know you guys don't have that kind of tight relationship and you know, those emotions and feelings don't get in the way. And, uh, with Logan, you know, obviously we're really tight. I was in his wedding. So sometimes it, it was hard to, you know, have those conversations, yeah. but I remember the, one of them was just like, you know, throw, having to be throwing inside. And, you know, at the time, you know, you know, Logan didn't, he just wants to throw a slider. He wants to throw his, <laughs> his nasty stuff. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta throw inside. I'm like, when, when you get up there, like you're going to throw in every once in a while, try to get hitters off of your soft stuff. And at the time he didn't agree. And, um, <laughs> I remember multiple times now where we have had to go inside. So speaking of Logan, he's an absolute stud out on the mound. And now you catch a rotation that's full of studs. I mean, the whole rotation is dominant and nasty and Luis Castillo added to the bunch. So what has it been like for you personally to be able to catch a group of guys that are so good? It's it's unbelievable catching some of these guys uh, just with the stuff and command they they have is super impressive and you know how different they are you know they're obviously great to catch and they're they're nasty but you know how different how they approach the game how they you know like to th how they throw their pitches you know how they like to uh, kind of manage a game is it's fun to kind of just watch back there and. Um, it's it's been it's been a great time and obviously adding Castillo last year was was huge for us and 
kind of see how these guys have evolved, you know, um, you know, George Kirby adding, adding a two seam, uh, Logan, you know, added a splitter this off season and, uh, changed the slider shape a little bit. It's, it's really cool to see and kind of see how they're, uh, evolving and seeing kind of what the game is, um, telling them to do and, um, how they're uh, approaching it. Luis Castillo was the best pitcher available last year at the trade deadline. You guys end up getting him. And since he's come to Seattle, I think he was one of the more underrated pitchers before he came there. He's just with the Reds, which aren't the biggest team in the world. He ends up going to Seattle. And since he's been there, including this year, there's an argument for him having been the best pitcher in baseball in that stretch. What makes him so good? I mean, he's got four four elite pitches that he can throw at any time to a lefty or righty and they go in four different directions. So, you know, you got four seam that rides, you got, you know, the two seam sinker that runs and runs, and goes down. You got the slider goes across and change up goes straight down. I mean, it's just like, as a catcher, it's like, do I even need the game plan? I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's got that kind of stuff. I'm being serious. It's, it's crazy. You know, you sit back there, you do scouting reports, you watch video, you obviously have the analytics stuff in front of you. And you're like, I mean, this guy, he doesn't even, he doesn't even need all this. He can just throw whatever he wants and he can, you know, he can mix all four all game and it's going to be a tough AB because, you know, when he's, you know, mid to upper nineties with two different fastballs that are, you know, well located and doing completely different things. It's, it's tough to tough to square up. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to I need to ask you this question from the man himself. Cal, there's a lot of stories out there, so I need the real one from you. Your nickname, the Big Dumper, given by I think Jared Kelnick. Yep. How did it come about? What's the story? So um, I got called up in 21, and uh, I think the Mariners posted a posted a picture of me a call up or something, and. Kellenick tweeted, had like a retweet or something and uh big said big dumper to the show. And the funny thing is, I don't even know if he'd ever maybe he called me big dumper a few times, but he'd always <laughs> he had always made jokes about my about my butt and you know how big it was and in the Myers because we came up together as yeah. well. And um he tweeted that out and I think people didn't even know how to respond to that at first. And you know, 21, there was that I was, you know, obviously didn't play very well and um, kind of up and down. And so it didn't really catch on until the middle of last year. And I think when, you know, I started playing well and, you know, my name got out there and people saw how ridiculous that name was. They kind of, uh, <laughs> they kind of hopped on with it. Are you in the works for a, a nickname for Kalanick? Now he's playing well. He seems to be the yeah. prospect that everybody wanted. It's your turn, right? Yeah. I don't know if I can come up with something abs as absurd as he did, but, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he definitely, he has to take credit for that one. He, uh, he um, started that. It was funny. Uh, so I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about Julio Rodriguez and obviously <laughs> becoming a superstar in front of our eyes. But do you remember the first time watching him play, whether it be in spring training or the first time you're on a team with him? Like, did it? Did he set himself apart when just on like the backfields in Arizona? Does it? Do, can you watch him and be like, this guy's a superstar? Yeah. So he. You know, obviously, I think my first encounter with Julio was in 2018. I had just gotten drafted. I want to say he was a year removed from signing. And um, we were at a strength camp together in the AZ in the fall. And um, just his personality was so big. I was, you know, I was a lot more, you know, obviously quiet and mm -hmm. more reserved back then. 
So just kind of observing from the side and, you know, obviously hearing how good he was and we weren't doing any baseball activity, but, you know, you could just kind of tell the personality was there and, you know, how everybody kind of flocked to him and it was uh, super special. And then obviously fast forward to, you know, last spring training and him just going off and doing what he's doing and, you know, how special it was. And, um, but really it was, it was last year during the season, you know, how calm he was and, you know, it's easy when you first get to the big leagues and you, you don't have success right away, which he didn't. I mean, those first couple of games weren't, um, first few weeks were tough for him that month. And, um, you know, it's easy to get down on yourself, start questioning, you know, am I good enough here? And, you know, he never did that. He stayed, he stayed, you know, same guy the whole time, same, same kind of line. And it was, uh, it was really impressive to watch. And the fact that he didn't panic, he didn't, he didn't, you know, start worrying. He was still the same guy. And I think that's kind of, what being a, a true pro is, is like, and that's definitely what he is. You you mentioned his personality, and I, I've said this a couple times now, but I feel like Julio Rodriguez is is the perfect face for the game of baseball, and I hope I hope he can become that. He's a guy that, in multiple languages, is as charismatic in both and fluent in English and Spanish, and super outgoing, and obviously the freak talent on the field. I mean. Would you agree with that? I feel like Julio is the perfect face that the game of baseball needs. Yeah, I mean, Julio is is unbelievable and it's not just it's not just the talent. I mean, I know that's what everybody sees every day, you know, the home runs, stolen bases, the the plays in the outfield, but it's it's like you said the personality. It's it's what he does away from the field, you know, how serious he is about his routine, his workouts, uh whether it's in the training room, um, you know, doing what he needs to do. He's He's super serious about that. And, you know, sometimes that can kind of get thrown to the side, but he's uh, he's about as, you know, professional as it comes. And, um, you know, he's a true, you know, true stud in this game and he's going to be for a long time. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's if he's the face of baseball for a while. What's the most impressive thing you've ever seen him do, either on the field or weight room or off the field? I don't know. There's some. There were some times last year where the like, I don't know. He he would take take some crazy pitch off the plate, take it the other way, and then I, I don't know. There's there were some things that kind of stuck out, and just some home runs he set off some guys. I think he hit a ball off, uh, I guess your brother uh, Verlander the other way to lead off a game, and it was just like at the time I couldn't even figure I couldn't figure out how to even swear him up <laughs> and I was struggling and he takes one the other way and puts it like oh, 10, 15 rows deep. I'm like, damn, that's impressive. <laughs> and for him to be like, I mean, he just started and like to do that yeah. was impressive. And yeah. What do you think is the ceiling for a guy like that? Like when all is said and done, what are we, when we talk about Julio Rodriguez, what are we saying about him? I mean, you know, you can't predict the future, you know, but, you know, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the way he prepares, how confident he is, uh, you know, how much of a pro he is, and then obviously throw in the talent that's real. And, you know, he wants to keep getting better. That's the thing with him is he doesn't want to settle. He wants to keep going. He wants to be one of the best players in this game, and he wants to win too. That's a big thing. Um you know, we don't, we don't like losing around here. And he's, he's definitely very adamant about that and he wants to win. And, you know, he's, uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. Cal, with you 
personally, what are some of you, we talked about last year and I didn't start great. And then you come up and you lead all catchers in baseball in home runs. And now you're heading into this year, full, full season, clean slate. What are some of your personal goals for this 2023 season? Yeah. I mean, obviously my main goal this year is, you know, we want to get to the world series. We want to, we want to win a world series. Um, you know, getting, getting a taste last year, getting to go to the playoffs. And obviously we won a huge series in Toronto and came up short, uh, against the Astros. It kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. And, um, you know, I just, I just want to, you know, catch a, catch a winning staff, catch a winning team and, uh, do everything I can to help us, you know, get back to that spot and give us a chance to, you know, make a run in the world series. And, um, you know, I definitely think we have the pieces to do it this yep. year. And, you know, obviously we're really excited about, you know, obviously it's early in the year, but where we're at. And, um, as far as like me, myself, you know, I just, I just don't want to, I don't want to put too much pressure on myself. I, I just want to go out there, have fun, play the game, you know, whatever happens happens. But at the end of the day, winning's the ultimate goal. You didn't set any with these new rules and new bases. You didn't set any stolen base goals for you this year. Uh, I haven't. I um, I definitely need to take off, but for some reason, for some reason, I keep uh, getting held back by uh, our first base coach. Let's so. set it. We'll set it on here. How about five? You think you can get five this year? I think I can get five. Right. I think I can stick that out. That's the goal. I'm, you're gonna get yeah. five this year. I can feel it. You just, it, you're probably not going to get the green light. So you're probably going to have to run just on your own and, and you, you got to get there. You're never going to hear the end of it. There's some guys that are pretty slow to play. So I'll, I'll find a time to kind of sneak one in <laughs> here and there. Perfect. All right. A couple of fun questions for you before we finish up. First off in your, in your career, let's take your fear, your, your home stadium out of it. What's your favorite place to visit and play at? Hmm. I'd say I grew up a diehard Red Sox fan, so going to Fenway was is unbelievable. I mean, getting to play in front of that crowd and, um, you know, the monster and how much history is there. I'm big, you know, kind of baseball history nerd, so I uh, I love all that kind of stuff. So I I definitely have to say Boston. Have you signed in the monster yet? Yeah, I got signed last year when we went, which was uh, was really cool. Did you sign next to any big names? I signed next to our uh, our infield coach Perry Hill. So, because <laughs> he put a little, his nickname's Bone, and uh, he put a little bone next to us. So he's like, if you ever forget where you signed your name, just look for the bone. <laughs> Love that. All right. Do you have a Do you have a least favorite place that you travel to or visit? Uh, I mean, probably Tampa Bay. I would say, yeah, it's uh. You know, I'm not crazy about being inside like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's tough to see when you look up. You got that that big white roof. And, um, yeah, I'd say that's – and I got to send down there. So, yeah. not good memories there. <laughs> Speaking of the roof, I, I one time – you know those exhibition games that are played, like, right before the season? Not spring training, but those, like, games that are in big league stadiums, like, two days before the season starts. Yeah. So, one of my years in the Tigers organization, our exhibition was there. And I played in the game – and Justin Upton came out of the game in like the third inning. So most of the other starters are still playing. Like Miggy's at third base. Jose Iglesias was still a shortstop. And I'm out in left field. The first batter when I get in hits a pop-up, like a shallow pop-up. So I have to run in. But I look down because I think I can't run over Miguel Cabrera right now or I'm getting released before this game even ends. That's how that's going to work. 
So I looked down to make sure like Miggy heard me and he got out of the way and I looked back up and I could not find the ball. It was completely gone. And I'm like internally freaking out. And at the last second I saw it coming down and like threw my glove up behind me and I caught it. But every time I watch a game at the trop now, I'm like, I don't understand how if you take your eye off the ball, how you can pick it back up. It's almost impossible. Yeah, I don't think you can. It's it's a tough roof. Most people though, most I feel like most everybody I've had on this show answers the Oakland Coliseum. And you're in the same division now, but not not your answer. I kind of, I mean, we've kind of, we, we like playing there. It's kind of almost, you know, it's so different and unique that it's kind of fun to go there. And, uh, you know, you, you, you make the most out of that trip for sure. Do you have, uh, in, in your career, somebody that comes to mind as the toughest pitcher that you've had to face? Toughest pitcher. Um, that is a tough one. I think uh, I, I've struggled against Liam Hendricks. He's he's really tough um, coming at you with some pretty good stuff. Yeah. And honestly, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but Verlander has been really – he was really tough on me last year. I don't think I got – I don't think I got one hit off him the whole year. And I just <laughs> – I finally got one in the playoffs. So technically, I don't still don't have a hit off him. But I got one in the playoffs when it mattered, so – He's, it's those guys that come right at you are really tough with North and South and uh, they're, uh, they're pretty good. It's funny. I had, um, I had Rowdy Telez on the show a couple of weeks ago and I asked him the same question and he goes, is this a setup? And I was like, no, why? He goes, I was on that 2019 Blue Jays team that your brother no hit. And I was like, I completely forgot about that, but that was his answer. <laughs> yeah. We, we had some, we had some long days against him last year. Uh, Cal, I appreciate you joining me, man. This has been an absolute blast. I'm rooting for you this year. Um, good luck the rest of the way, and I, I really appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate okay. it. Of course. All right, buddy. See you. Good luck. All right, I just wanted to thank Cal again for joining me. What a great conversation. I appreciate it, and what a what a, it was great to hear him explain the Big Dumper nickname out of his own mouth. You know, you hear stories, but you never really know, and to hear him have to talk about having a nice butt out of his mouth. It was it was great. Just a great conversation. And cool to hear him talk about the home run as well and, and what it clearly meant to him and uh, what it still means to him. Just a really cool conversation. And I'm wishing him all the best this year and the Seattle Mariners as well. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Hit that plus or follow button up at the top on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. We're also available on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every single episode on YouTube as well at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. So thanks to Cal Raleigh for joining me. Thanks to you all for listening. And that does it for another episode of Flippin' Bats. 